Hello and welcome to the Information Podcast. My name is Tim Nostrand. Joining us today on the pod is Ron Shaw, the CEO and founder of Bizly, enterprise software for meetings and events that your entire company loves to use. We'll be talking about enterprise software for meetings, we'll be talking about meetings in general, and how to disrupt the industry. Stay tuned. What is event management software? It sounds really boring. Event management software is uh, is just a very easy way to put your events together. Mm-hmm. Generally, it consists of a couple parts. Starts with designing an event, sourcing a venue. Sure. So, like, where do you want to have your event? Okay. Inviting your people. You know, managing your list, having people RSVP whether they're coming or not helping them have a registration when they get there, so mm-hmm. you know that they came, mm-hmm. and then managing the data. So who came, who didn't come, how much did you spend, ROI. That's generally the historical definition of event management. Okay, mm-hmm. and so how long has event management software been a solution? Um, I'd say it's probably been roughly around 20 years. Okay, wow. 20, 25 years, yeah. Um, I would say the largest company in the event management software space is a company called Cvent. Cvent. Yes. They launched in 1999. Okay. So, yeah, next year will be 20 years for them. Wow, they survived the bubble. They survived the bubble. That's incredible. They survived the bubble. They, you know, the founder there has some great stories. He went on a, almost went out of business a few times over. and <laughs> 20 years. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I found Cvent on uh, in in my research here. So how so this is a relatively large market. If there's a 20 year old company that yeah. is still uh, has younger competitors, well, I'll talk to you about the uh, U.S. market. Okay. So events, um, you know, the traditional definition of events included basically every time you leave the office and you put together a corporate event, um, and and the event definition included things that weren't corporate as well, like weddings sure. and other things. That market is generally defined as, in the U.S. alone, around three to $400 billion market. Wow. Yeah. And that's that includes all the spend. So, like, everything you spend on that event, like the amount you pay the venue, the amount you pay for ground transport, that includes everything. Okay. So, it's a very large market. Event management software is a lot smaller of a market, obviously. Sure. Uh, but, you know, you can roughly define the event management software market as $20 billion or so. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's still an out- outrageously large n- number. Yes. Even though it's much smaller than $400 billion. Sure. Yes. Yeah, and what I'll say is event management, I should actually say $20 billion probably includes all of event management, not just the software. Okay. So it includes all the vendors, the American Express meeting and event agencies, all the agencies and, and basically management sure. of events is, is that revenue number. So so what was the number for the software, event management software? Um, I, the Gardner report probably states it at roughly half of that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Cvent okay. itself, you know, when it was, it was a public company. It was okay. taken private. Uh, but when they were public, I believe their market cap was somewhere around $2 billion. Okay, wow. And then you had a whole bunch of other 
other event management software companies, much smaller than Cvent. So, you know, you put together all of that, plus all the event brights, which is event management as well. Sure. You know, um, you get to around 20. So, obviously, I have thoughts on the future of the industry. Yeah. I can tell you about who's using it today. So, the core user of Cvent yes. is the five to 10 person event team okay. at every, com every large company in the world. Okay. Right? So, yes. you have a couple people that are event experts, maybe they're certified meeting planners or professional event coordinators at these companies, um, and they use it. They're, okay. No one else really uses it other than them. What makes your company so much different? We are talking, Bizly is focused on every meeting, okay. event, or gathering in your life that is not being handled by the events team at your company. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about your sales folks that go out on sales dinners, client presentations. We're talking about your HR department that does recruiting events, training events, education events, marketing teams that do brand pop-ups, influencer dinners, activations. Uh, we're talking about corporate board meetings. We're talking about thousands of meetings in a company that are not managed. Mm. Um, and so that's really our core market is the meeting and event in your everyday life. Okay. Um, and, you know, really what we're focused on as a company, it's interesting. Um, I ask people all the time. I talk to people all the time and I ask them, hey, at work, what's your top three pains? Like, what do you hate? And literally I hear a lot of interesting things, but I would say the number one thing I've heard across all professionals that I've talked to across the world is meetings suck. Like, mm. I go to way too many meetings. They're boring. They waste my time. And they suck. And I'm like, why do they suck? Mm -hmm. And they're like, because the person who organizes meetings, like a lot of people just don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So they don't set a good structure. They don't set a good agenda. They don't set, they don't do it right. And so what our mission in life, Bisley's mission in life, is to remove that suck from meetings and events <laughs> and make them great. And so whether you're doing them on-site or off-site, um, we, we are a platform and a software to, to supplement your professional life. Because face it, if you're in the business world, one third or more of your time goes in meetings and you literally have no software to make it awesome. Mm -hmm. you, the best you have is a calendar app, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody can literally at your office, some one of your peers can send you a calendar invite and, and basically buy an hour of your time without having to do anything. Mm. And it's a big problem. And that's why you have, if you look on Twitter and you type in like meetings suck, you'll <laughs> literally get millions of hits. Oh, that sounds really fun. Yeah, so basically we started... My background was I was in I was in venture capital for a lot of years. I helped. I was also on the tech side as an operator for a few years at a couple companies that were really successful. Um, and basically, my office got flooded. There was uh. Uh, construction on the kitchen, and this water pipe kind of burst open and flooded my conference room. And I went out to try to. I could. I had a bunch of meetings. I, I couldn't do it at Starbucks. Like there were important right. people flying in, whatever. So I tried to book uh, meetings at nearby hotels. Um, and it was the biggest pain in the ass ever, right? Wow. Like it was contracts, payment forms, 20 phone calls. It was a nightmare. And so I realized this sucks. We got to make this better. And so we came at, came out with, uh, an application, which is, uh, just snap where you could instantly book this stuff. 
um, namely meetings at hotels where you could like pick the room, order food, order AV, put in your card and check out and you're done. Mm-hmm. Right? So that was awesome. We launched it, but within six months we realized that the person, the people that were feeling the most pain that really needed the solution were enterprises because they're large companies were doing thousands of these things and had no visibility into it. People were signing whatever contracts, they weren't using the right payment forms, they weren't um, reporting the spend properly. So we realized that of all the people that were feeling the pain, it was the enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was the evolution. And, and then what we realized after being live for about a year with this enterprise solution, what we're finding, which is a huge discovery, and uh, uh, you know what we're finding is that all of these like venue search sites, there's a bunch of them out there. Um, right. You know, they've all kind of said like, hey, you're searching for a venue, it should feel like Expedia or Airbnb, you know? And what I think our big discovery was that it's nothing like Airbnb or Expedia. It's not like you're thinking about like your girlfriend splashing in a pool or your kids like in their room, right? You're not that, this is a work thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we discovered, and I think all of my peers would probably see the same if they actually looked at their data, is that people don't want to search for venues Mm. when it comes to meetings and events. They want to be served. Mm. And so our discovery is, is that, is that really big shift in how, what we've realized about how users want to do this. Um, And so the idea of Bizly now is you can, if I'm doing, let's say an all hands meeting in my office or a client dinner, I basically can pick a template as easy as picking a movie on Netflix. Click the button. Wow. It gives me a suggested agenda. It can plug in the objective of the meeting, the agenda, the attendees, and literally in a couple of clicks, I have a really well-structured event or in-house meeting, and all the attendees feel like engaged in this event. Mm. So they have like background, they have information, they have something that they can interact with before they get there. So you're gonna have a productive, efficient meeting or event every single time. So it's taking advantage of defaults. It's it's forcing admins to come up with these things that they probably know but aren't good at communicating with. Yes, uh, some are some know, some don't. So the idea is our templates give you a recommended structure. Wow. You can go in and modify it. You can change the times around. You can get rid of stuff. You can edit it. But in every use case, whether you want to do a fun team off-site meeting, I want to do a you know wild client activation event, whatever you want to do, you have a template that suggests an agenda and itinerary and what you need in that meeting. Because the average person, like an average salesperson, doesn't know like, oh yeah, I gotta like get a projector in advance. I gotta ask for this. I gotta like, I right. gotta like set this up. You know? Right. What's really cool is it's a marketplace of templates, basically. So if Deepak Chopra, who you know I'm just using as an example, sure. wanted to create a team wellness offsite template, we could create that for them. Mm-hmm. If you know P Diddy wanted to create like a cool launch party template, he could do that. And what's exciting about it is that we have venues on the other side, mm-hmm. which have for years already have been offering packages for certain templates. So like Hilton has a medical meeting template. Uh, a medical, not template, but a medical meeting package. So we can link those two sides of the marketplace right. together. That's that's what we're doing. In a way, it's like what Squarespace is doing to websites. Correct. Mm, interesting. Correct. Very it's, cool. It's exactly like that. It's very similar to that. The yes. user experience of the meeting. Exactly. It's, it's a one-click experience to build something magical. And once you do it, there's no other way you want to do it again because it's that much more efficient. 
So this is actually really interesting because, you know, in my research event, you know, Bisley came up as, you know, event management software, right. competitors, you know, group buys, breather, splicer, liquid space, Zoho, Bizaboo, Cvent, Eventbrite, Eventmobi, Redpack, Configio, Eventry, Event Squid, Attendees, Confio, etc. And what you're telling me. That's a mouthful. Me, that was pretty good. It was pretty good, right? <laughs> there were more. <laughs> we had to cut that list down to just the top 15. That's good. That's Just good. the top 15 <laughs> non-Bizly event management software services. But this is com you, you're coming at it from a completely different angle. Yes, completely different. All the fishies are swimming one way. We're going the other way. Um, and I'll be honest, we were swimming that way as well. And what we realized is like there's actually a bigger pain that hasn't been solved. Um, and so our pain is the pain that that professionals face every single day. Absolutely, one third of their time. Talk to me about pivoting, because yeah. I feel I this I I had read about you know in your experience pivoting is actually a pretty publicized, but I'd like to hear you talk about yeah. you know what you've already written about, but this sounds like another pivot here, and and I just want to hear your perspective. On yeah, it. I would say that we've. From the classical definition of pivoting, we've never pivoted because what we've done is we've built on top of what we've already built. Okay. So in the first iteration of Bizly, we built an instant booking software for for hotel meetings. We still use that software. In year t and that was so what we did, and we we built an entire booking interface for that. So sure. payment scheduler, um, all the rules and regulations of how hospitality venues serve events. In year two, we built an entire engine around all of the enterprise needs. So that that's what we did. So we built all of this key functionality that we still need to use today in order to solve the problem. Because you can't make meetings better for most of the population unless you work within their corporation's rules and requirements. Sure. You can't just do it, right? Like that's the thing. A lot of folks are like, I'll just be a total disruptor on day one. And the reality that we learned is like, yes, but you, if you want the volume to build a big business in this space, you have to you have to learn how the hospitality venues play ball, right. and then you have to learn how the corporations play ball, and then put it together with a real disruption. Mm. So that's where where we are. It, it you know, do I wish I realized this stuff when I first started? Like, do I wish I knew then what I know now? Of course, who wouldn't? Mm. But um, I would say, yeah, I would say pivot is required to find product market fit. Now, uh, I'll just take a second on this. I think there's a huge difference between building a large business and actually achieving product market fit. All right. So a large business is Cvent. Mm -hmm. Okay. 20 years. They make like $200 million in revenue. Took 20 years. So I would argue that they did it through pure grit, determination, and will to get that. But on the other hand, Salesforce was launched the same year. They do $9 billion in annual revenue, product market fit, right? The companies in our lives that have achieved product market fit are the ones we can all name. Yeah. Salesforce, Slack, you know, Dropbox, Box, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, Apple. You know, these are product market fit companies. Um, and But that doesn't mean you have to be product market fit to build a large business, but there's a huge difference between those two paths. And so the path we're really on is the product market fit path. And I would argue very vehemently that no one in the events industry has ever achieved product market fit mm. because 99% of the people globally that do events use no software. And I also think about, you know, the idea of 
the arrangement of an initial meeting is incredibly difficult. You know, this is a good example of that. And uh, finding ways to, you know, improve that. I think of Calendly as a good example of somebody who has attempted at least the scheduling component of this. Uh, is something that could be almost systematized in a way that could be really, really elegant. Yeah. I mean, calendaring is um, not our priority. I think that there's some cool stuff out there. I like um, x.ai. I don't know if you know, that's like an artificial Mm -hmm. that uses like artificial intelligence. It seems like it's your assistant, but it's really uh, AI that like goes back and forth to schedule the meeting. You have Calendly, you have um, a bunch of software for scheduling, which I think is cool. I think that we don't want to interfere too much in people's scheduling habits. Uh, Those are fairly ingrained. Um, But I think everything that happens between the schedule and the meeting and after the meeting is where we focus. And you say after the meeting. Yeah. So, So one of the big things here is ROI, right? Today, you do an ad on Google AdWords, you do an email campaign on MailChimp, you have you have data to see, yeah. like, how did it go, right? With an event, somebody gives you 10 grand, your boss gives you 10 grand for an event, they're like, how did it go? You're like shrugging your shoulders, you're like, I think it went fine, right? Like, people seem to like it. You don't have any data, right? Generally, people just don't have data. Um, and that goes for your everyday meeting to your event. Mm. So what we do is some of the things that you wish you did that you just don't do, like send an automated one question survey out to all the attendees after the wow. event that says like, how did it go? Or just a sentiment radar on how that event went. You know, That way you have a dashboard to say like, I'm actually really good at meetings or I actually need to get better at meetings. Interesting, yeah, that's really that's really interesting. You're, I, I, again, I just come back to it. I, I feel like your product is revolutionizing meetings. That's our goal. That's our goal. We, we started by finding some ancillaries around booking venues. Sure. And I think we landed at a core human problem. Right. Faced by every productive adult in the world. So how does Bizly fit into the sharing economy? I think the sharing economy is the efficiency economy, right? Mm. We share things because we don't want to buy them and get weighed down by things. Mm. So I think we do um, contribute to the sharing economy. Yes, there are some actual sharing going on where we're buying, you know, space from a hotel um, and, you know, or, or a venue or any venue. It doesn't have to be a hotel, a restaurant, a person's, maybe a person's den at some point. You know, w- there will be some, um, some sharing like that happening. But ultimately, underpinning it all is like, how do we make people more efficient without having to buy stuff? Right. That's really what I think uh, where we fit in. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, there's also probably opportunities here for businesses that have extra meeting rooms and things like that to be renting out their space. I know that when we were in New Zealand, we had a meeting room that was occupied maybe 20% of the time. Right. It would have been great if we could have you know, leveraged that space the other 80% of the time and achieved additional revenue. Um, is that something that is a component here? There, we would never say no to anything where there's actual sincere demand and where we can provide a consistent experience. I think the nuts and bolts, the, most of the bulk of demand today is in professional venues. 
uh, where you know there's where you know for a fact that like the room's going to be clean because mm-hmm. you have like important people coming and it needs to be proper, right? Unlike an Airbnb where if it's messy or something, you can kind of live with it or complain and no one else is hurt. This like you could lose your job if the venue isn't like up to speed or like you know really properly uh, delivering the service they've promised. So I think we would be very careful about about it but you know with we we will have no hesitation in expanding our options um i know you mentioned breather like for example we've we've been in discussions with them they you know they have they offer a nice product Hmm. so if anyone offers a nice consistent product we wouldn't hesitate in in listing it what's the vetting process for venues um today we we have predominantly enterprise customers okay um and so most of our venues what what our kind of core requirement today is full service experience okay so we don't you know but i i think you know what does that mean it means that there should be some food options and some av options that's really what it means okay um i think we're now moving fast to an uh an area where we're comfortable with putting together two vendors for certain events you can order doordash and have it at you know Mm. at a venue that doesn't have food you know things like that we'll have combination opportunities um but really our core of it is still full service venues it's interesting that you mentioned doordash because a lot of times when we talk about the sharing economy the gig economy also comes up and i feel like there's huge opportunity here to uh, ultimately connect workers who may be able to work events to these people putting on events. Yes. There's quite a few companies out there that do event staffing. So, you know, these are basically gig economy workers that will staff your event. They'll, you know, be on site. They'll do a number of of activities you need done. Um, And there are quite a few agencies and firms that do this. So we've been in touch with all of them. And I think this would be an add-on that would make total sense. Where like you can book an event and then also get like an, an on-site coordinator to make sure everyone's cool and taken care of. Awesome. And so it's uh, it's very interesting to me that you describe the sharing economy and potentially the gig economy as a sort of efficiency market. You know, we're looking at situations where either there is labor that can't find demand, there is space that can't find utilization. Uh, and we're finding ways of maximizing that utilization and ultimately maximizing the efficiency of our society. Totally. Look, I mean, I think the big trend or the big way our minds are all kind of getting wired, especially in as new generations are coming up, minimalism, right? You know, like, let's not weigh ourselves down with with attachment and burden and, you know, with assets that we don't need. You know, so I think you're absolutely right. It's all about efficiency and not and being able to get the best of the world without having to put a down payment down and and put it, put all this cash to work. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense that there is a sort of more efficient distribution of you know labor or maybe focus when we have uh, sort of like the ownership of you know these things concentrated in certain hands. People focus on that kind of thing. And then other people can focus on, you know, the more day-to-day operational aspects of everything. Yeah, look, it's, you know, in the utopian or ideal of all of this, it's like you're flattening the playing field between the people that gen- have generational wealth versus the people that want to enjoy the fruits of that wealth, mm. right? It's a pretty cool idea. I mean, it doesn't work that well, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, it's a cool idea where, like, I could be, you know, struggling 
and I have a big pitch and now I can go and like book this really impressive spot and win the pitch even though I don't really have that kind of money. Now, <laughs> you mentioned uh, that you deal with a lot of enterprises and you have to kind of deal with their their whole situation. Have you run into regulation issues here? Um, yes. I mean, in events, uh, GDPR is a big thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Because you have a lot. You never know if you have attendees that, even if they're living in the U.S., they may be U- EU citizens. So. Brang is a huge uh, hater of GDPR. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like GDPR has created such barriers to entry that I feel like just in general, the availability of software in Europe is going to be very limited. Yeah. And it's going to create just wild inefficiency because a lot of the policies don't actually create more private websites. They just create an entirely new set of work that you have to do in order to do the same stuff that you were already going to do. Yeah, red tape never hurt, helps anyone. What does it help? It just helps the regulators make more money. Yeah, it helps the regulators make more money, and it does create entire industries uh, around sort of just being compliant. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've already seen that happen in Europe. Uh, I think the spirit of it is good. Like, I think people's privacy rights should be protected and that companies do have a responsibility to do it. And maybe the answer is there's not really a great way to fo- to get companies to actually respect people's privacy. Um, and so there is a problem. I don't know. I don't think red tape is the answer to it. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, when you look at specifically what GDPR is mandating, you know, the way that it ends up getting implemented on everybody's website, you know, you've got pop-ups that say, hey, we use cookies. Well, every site uses cookies. We knew that. You've got, you know, privacy policy changes that aren't actually being implemented on the back end, which gives people a false sense that their data is being securely handled, but it's not in fact. And to me, I think that, you know, using government to solve this problem doesn't really do anything for you. What you need is to just sort of have a, you know, privatized pressure and say, I don't really want to work with companies that aren't going to take my data seriously. Yeah. I mean, look, the second that the government announces anything, the next second, there's like 10 loopholes that everyone's figured out. Like you can't you can't outsmart entrepreneurs. Right. Like they want if they want to do something, they'll give you a pop up that says you agree to whatever I say. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. I agree. You're done. Yeah, absolutely. So the idea, though, is that companies should do this out of moral responsibility. And, you know, like I think, you know, obviously the U.S. has been talking about having a similar thing as GDPR. Hopefully it won't go through a government channel and just will be a thing that we've all done because of Europe. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Information Podcast. We'll be back next week with another interview with some very cool founders. If you want to learn more about Bizly, head over to www.bizly.com. And if you want more of our podcast, just click subscribe on wherever you get your podcast. Know someone you think should be on the podcast? Send us an email at podcast at informationholdings.co.